Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. We are here today to put a bow on the 2021 Ravens season that delivered a lot of great memories, quite frankly, that will stick with me for a long time and also some great heartache that continues to stick with me. I need to get, pop out the antacids because it hasn't quite left yet, Garrett. As we And this, this honestly is the worst time of the year when you're out of the playoffs and then you have to watch other teams in the playoffs, especially teams that you think the Ravens could have beaten. Yeah. A, it, the Steelers. It does, I love when you watch this. I, I hope the Steelers get mollywopped by the by the Chiefs. Um, anyway, this is the worst time of year. Yeah, I, I love the NFL playoffs. Like, the games are, are great. But this first weekend, yeah. when the Ravens aren't in it, it just stings. I'm getting these emails, these NFL communication emails coming in. Wild card weekend preview. Instant delete. I don't even open them. I don't even open these emails. Just automatically delete. <laughs> I don't want to hear about anything happening this weekend. But yeah. I don't know. This thing for me has started to subside. A, because oh, the Patriots lost. The Patriots lost to the, the Dolphins, and so that made it a much oh, easier sure. pill to swallow. Also, you know, there's the fact that the Ravens would have been going to Kansas City with probably Tyler Huntley starting a quarterback. That would be a tough assignment. Much different scenario from what we saw Yay! earlier in the year. In week two when the uh, Chiefs came to town, yeah. Lamar Jackson, you know, was was the quarterback. So, I don't know. I, I think that... Flipped into the end zone. Yeah, it, it's just a very different team that the Ravens would be putting up if they were going to Kansas City this week. So... Of course, you know, as we've said a million times, would have loved to make the playoffs, but I'm feeling a little bit better, I guess, than you are right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm feeling better than I was on Sunday slash Monday morning, <laughs> but still not fe- still not feeling great, I would I would have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it is wild, though. I mean, the page turns pretty fast in the NFL, and, and you immediately after the season ends, you get into the hiring cycle, and there's just, there's just a lot of news. Eric Weddle is back in the league now. I mean, I did not have that go. one on my bingo card. Things are popping. I also did not have that. Um, anyway, uh, before we turn the page, we do want to look back because, as we've said a million times, we're men of honor, yes. men of integrity, first and foremost. And we hold ourselves accountable for our preseason predictions. Okay? So, Garrett, hit us with it. What what did we have to say at the beginning of the year? Yeah, so what I did, if you, I mean, this goes back to the podcast that we did right before the season where we lay out specific predictions on a variety of things. Now, I will say at Number the start... Number 313. Yeah. I will say at the start here that this doesn't... We missed on a lot, but there's also some major changes that happened pretty soon after we recorded that podcast. For example, both of us had Gus Edwards leading the team in rushing. That did not happen. Did he? No. Both of us had Marcus Peters <laughs> leading the team in interceptions. That did not happen. So did he? there were some pretty significant changes to the team and the roster that happened... I mean, within days of us recording that podcast. Uh, so you need to take that into consideration here when we're reviewing things. But with that said, we still got remember, some right. Garrett, remember, remember when we interviewed Anthony Averett and he hadn't yet made an interception in his first three years in the league? And he was like, I'm dying to get my first one. Turns out he led the team in picks. Well, we can start there. That's three. a fine place to start because if you remember on that episode, 
we actually asked people to email us. And as we always do, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. And we asked for bold predictions. And there was a lot of people who liked that Anthony oh. Avery interview. Okay. There's a lot of people who were interested in that Avery interview. And one of them was, was our guy, Jersey Jeff Hewitt, who emailed us and said, I'm predicting that Anthony Averett is going to lead the team in interceptions. And both of us kind of laughed him out of the room. Oh, we'll be honest here. <laughs> we kind of laughed him out of the room and said, look, it was a great interview. I really like Averett. I think he's a good player, but he's not going to get the team lead. Now, he ends up as a team leader with three interceptions. Obviously, a large part to the fact that Marcus Peters didn't play the whole year and Marlon Humphrey missed a good portion of the season. So neither of us had Averett leading the team in picks. You had Marlon that leading true. the team in and, picks. And, well, and, and, a- and Averett was the most targeted cornerback in the NFL, at least through the first 15 weeks. Yeah. So he so, had some opportunities. So where, where we went wrong, even you had, we both had Peters leading the team. You had Marlon leading, coming in second behind Peters. I had Queen coming yep. in second. Marlon got one pick, Queen oh. got zero. I went bold. I went. I went with the bold. So I went. I went that I even one. Said, I even said that at the time. All right. Now let's flip Queen? it over to the off. Let's flip it over to the offensive side here because one area that we just we just kind of whiffed on, to be honest, was how good of a season Mark Andrews was going to have. I mean, we both mm. liked Mark Andrews and thought he was going to be really good. But we did yeah. not expect him to put up the kind of numbers that he had, which is 100 and, 107 catches for 1,361 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Just a remarkable Whew. season, the best season a pass catcher has ever had in Baltimore and one of the best seasons a tight end has ever had in the NFL. So we did not predict that. Neither of us had him going over 1,000. We both said that we expected really? him to— yeah, we both said we expected him to lead the team in catches. We got that right. Okay. We got that All right, right, we'll take that. We nailed that one. But we then both had Hollywood Brown leading the team in receiving yards. Okay. What did we did we project numbers for Mark? We didn't project pro- project exact numbers. Uh, we didn't do that for every single guy, so we did not have exact numbers for Mark. I think I had Hollywood <laughs> over a thousand. Yeah, and yeah, you had yeah. him under. Yeah, this is this is this is going to be what you classically do. And by the way, I went back and listened to this. Yes, I, re- I yes, listened to this, I listened to this yes. again today just to double check. But this is going to be you. I think that I had Mark with what thirteen hundred receiving yards. Isn't that what I had him down for? <laughs> so hey, hey you let's had, get back to Hollywood. Let's get back to Hollywood. So Hollywood I had Hollywood over a thousand. You had Hollywood over a thousand. I had him under a thousand. Hollywood just cracks. A thousand yards. He has one thousand and eight receiving yards. Had it measured. So I, normally, I would say that I that that's a that's a push. That's a push. I'll actually no. give that one to you. I'll give it to you because yeah. I said that I think I think he was going to be more in the nine hundred, eight fifty to nine hundred range. Plus, the dude was on track in, for like thirteen hundred. Well, but he didn't get thirteen hundred. He got a thousand. Well, but sure, so. but he broke a thousand. So that's so that's a got, full point. He, he hit the thousand yard mark, so <laughs> yes. you win that one. All right. Thank you. Um, well done. I think I remember back to back to Mark. Back to Mark. I remember us having the conversation even with Mark about like we weren't really sure how the improvements at wide receiver, you know, getting Bateman and and Duvernay and Perchet being in their second year and getting Sammy Watkins. Like we didn't know how that would impact Mark. Like whether some of those targets would take away targets from Mark and yards away from Mark, and thus he 
kind of, we kind of split the difference. Like we both thought he would have a better year just because he's an improving player, but also would maybe get fewer opportunities. Turns out he was just still the workhorse upon workhorses more than he ever has been. And uh, just because he was that good. And so like yeah. he put up even bigger numbers. Yeah, that that's that's where you kept you you were way off and, and to that point, which is you kept saying that what? Mark's Mark's basically workload share was gonna take a hit this year because of the new weapons that the Ravens had worked into this offense. And Well, but part of that part of that was also I, I think that the Ravens turned out to be more pass heavy than they would have before Gus Edwards went down. Like, I think that the personnel changes that happened early in the season, not only JK, because we recorded this between when JK went down and Gus did, but I think yeah. had they not lost Gus, they would have run the ball more than they ended up doing. I think that I totally agree with that, and I think that's why we were we didn't have the, the total the total numbers on Mark to where they should have been. But what I'm saying is the share, the percentage breakdown of the pie that we're talking talking about here you kept saying that was going to go to Bateman that was going to go to Watkins in reality Mark Andrews went from 88 targets last year to 154 targets he went from 58 catches to 107 so it wasn't like man well they just threw the ball more this year so Mark had a bigger he he put up more yards he had a bigger slice too for sure he had a he had the he had the whole pie (laughs) (laughs) I mean 107 catches 154 targets. I mean, just he, he nearly doubled his hey, look, production hey, from hey. last year. Hey, look, we all know where I stood on Sammy Watkins. I made that clear before the Ravens signed Sammy Watkins. Well, that, that brings and us I to the end, next point. And, then I, got, and a, then I got on the hype train in, in training camp, but we all know where I stood originally. Well, let me, that brings us to the next point here, which is your prediction on Sammy Watkins, where you said he was going to have 650 receiving yards and five touchdowns. All right. 650 and five touchdowns. I said he was going to be I, under like that. I said. I was drinking. I was drinking the preseason Kool Aid on Sammy. I he he convinced me. I said under that again. You had him at 650 and five touchdowns. Way off. Way off on that. One. Well, he went he went 400, 394 and one touch. I will say, Sammy Sammy did under deliver on my projection. Um. And quite frankly, I think he underdelivered on what the Ravens were obviously hoping for when they signed him to a one-year deal. He, the one thing he did deliver on was he was clutch. He was playoff yeah. Sammy there for a little bit. I mean, he had clutch catch week one against the Raiders. He had a clutch catch uh, Detroit, obviously, the fourth and 29 catch that he made there. He had a clutch catch, I think, Indy. Did he have a clutch one against Indy? Chicago clutch catch chicago was a big one at yeah chicago was a huge one to set up the game winner right game winning touchdown at pittsburgh he scored the touchdown right before the failed two point conversion right at the end of that so like four really big plays from sammy that could have made the difference yeah really they they only made a difference in one of the in two of those games two of them it ended up not mattering i also think that part of the deal with um sammy late in the season i think the ravens just decided Let's roll with Bateman. Let's roll with yeah. Dylan Wallace and just see what these guys can do and give them the opportunity to play rather than putting Sammy out there for a significant number of snaps. I, I just think he kind of got phased out as young players showed some promise and the Ravens wanted to give those guys the reps. So, Well, I think it's also interesting to, on that note to think about, okay, you had Tyler Huntley under center. Who is Tyler yeah. Huntley take the majority of the snaps with? Like He's been throwing to 
DuVernay, Prochet, Tylen Wallace, all, all training camp. Like his chemistry with those guys was probably better than what it was with Sammy Watkins, who was running with the first team for the majority of, mm-hmm. you know, the summer and, and practice and in practice yeah, so, leading up to that. Yeah. So we, we were, we were off on that. Um, but I think that there's a, a, a number of reasons for it. Now, in terms of Lamar, obviously the numbers are all skewed there. I mean, the guy didn't play for five games. He didn't play the final month of the season. Right. One note that I'll just take the win on. I'll take the no. win on over 1,000 yards rushing. No. I'll take the win. No. He was on pace to crack 1,000 rushing yards once again. He, he was going to crush that mark. He was going to crush he went under. that mark. He went he under. was on pace to crush that mark. So that's a win for me. You said under no. for the third straight season. Third straight season. He was not. You never give this guy hey, credit for his rushing ability. Crush it. He was not. He wasn't even on pace to crush it. He was on pace for a thousand and eighty-six yards. Crush, crush it. it. He was gonna. Get he was gonna crush here. it. You, you think I can't do Holly, math? You think I can't do quick math? You're trying to test me you now, think, aren't you? He, all right. You did not do that math in your head. There's the oh, calculator for function sure. on the computer, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get credit for doing math. If you're taking, you, you got the win on the Hollywood over a thousand. I give, you, I give you the props for that. Lamar was gonna, he was gonna break a thousand rushing yards once again. But, was, but in all honesty, you can't play that game. Yes, yes. We go for on pace. If a guy didn't play the full season, full games because the injuries. All right, fine. What he was on fine, and go back to Sammy Watkins. He missed several games. He, put, <laughs> he was probably on pace for six hundred. If we're playing that game, I'll give you a half a point for Lamar if I get a half ski for uh, Sammy. <laughs> so. All right, then on on the other side of the ball, an area that we missed kind of in a big way, I'll tell you, was in terms of pass rush production. We completely overlooked <laughs> the season that Tyus Bowser was going to have. Yeah. We also, by the way, you know, overlooked mentioning this in our game response, game recap on Monday, talking about the Steelers game where Tyus has reportedly, reportedly had a torn Achilles in that game. That was the worst part of the game. A gut wrencher. <laughs> I mean, that's just such a tough blow. Obviously it doesn't matter for this year, but he's gonna have a long recovery. And he was one of, if not the best defensive player for the team this year. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely was. I mean, it just adds to I think something that hasn't been talked about enough is, you know, every you kind of assume that all right, the 2021 injured injury ravaged Ravens. Well, whatever, they're all return healthy for 2022 and let's go. Well, I think there's two things that you have to consider there. One being players coming back from injury often talk about how they're not 100% when the season starts. Like it takes some time to knock off the rust in training camp and in games. Like it just you're just you don't start back where you left off immediately. So, that's a factor especially when you have so many key guys coming back from season ending injuries. Number two, and and I know there's been chatter about this, but what do the Ravens do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Right? Like I'm sure John Harbaugh, given the kind of coach that he is and just person, he's a very analytical person who like turns over every stone to try to improve things. So I think he will look at the health of this team and how to prevent that from happening again. Yeah, so we're, we'll get back to the the defense and the and the sack production here and the predictions for that. But you kind of naturally led into this email, which came to us from Dave McShay. You can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. David writes, first time emailer, long time listener, loves the show. Sad ending to the season, but he's pumped to have Eric DeCosta with the number fourteen pick. 
because he is not going to waste it. So he's asking about what caused all of these injuries and what changes Mm -hmm. will be made. Basically, is this a strength and conditioning uh, issue? He also asked about the practice field. I know there's been lots of t- chatter about the practice field. People look at the videos of the photos and they see the field and in, in into a grass December discussion. And January and it's yellow. What's that? We're getting into a grass discussion now. Yeah, I, on the field, I would say I don't know anything about turf maintenance, uh, but the Ravens have had that field for a long time, and it always goes dormant when it gets to November and December. And then everyone looks at the videos and the photos and they say, "What's going on with the grass? You're playing on a dead field," but the grass is intact it's just it goes dormant and it turns yellow late in the season um so i don't know enough to know about turf to say that had any impact but the ravens make significant investments in field maintenance so well it's not like the injuries happened at the beginning of the year so it's not like the yellow grass has nothing to do with the injuries it wasn't like guys were going down and practice right. late in the year it was happening in training camp but no it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with the grass even in training camp it's not a field's problem it's just not it was a bad luck problem. And and I think that the Ravens will still, like, they're not just going to throw their hands up and say, bad luck, whatever. We hope we get better luck next year. Like, they're going to break, they're going to dive into it way deeper than we're going to dive into it on this podcast. And they're going to look at all the strength and conditioning things that they do. Like, are they are they just working too hard? Are guys, like, are do they need to kind of ramp up a little bit slower into training camp? Maybe, you know, just have a longer period of, like, of workouts of of just getting the body right before you start really playing football it kind of happened a couple years ago with covid like there was this kind of build-up period that was built in um when players returned because they didn't have otas and minicamp and all that stuff so like training camp was a much slower process in 2020 do they go back to that kind of model i think one thing that we can count on that's going to happen is the ravens are not going to play their starters or at least the the key starters in much if at all preseason action after what john harbaugh saw mm-hmm. happen to jk dobbins and the reaction that we saw john harbaugh have on the bench after that injury in washington which by the way fedex field is cursed so i don't ever want to play there in a preseason game again um but <laughs> after seeing that like the ravens are not going to play those guys it's just not worth it yeah i, I think um a couple things on the strength and conditioning program. Certainly the Ravens will take a look at it and, and try to analyze all that stuff. And, and maybe maybe what you're saying has merit. It's I, The one point I would say is like it's not like the Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters injuries happened like right at the start of training camp where like, man, these guys didn't ramp up at all. They just jumped right, right into it. Right. They, they, they the dove into the deep end, and then they – it, it was right before the season. Yeah. I mean, this is after the preseason. This was going into week one, so like – was that a result of the the process or the program mm-hmm. up to that point? I don't know. That to me is like it could it could just be really bad luck. But I I do agree that like it's I think a, it's kind of like the more you play football in a like eleven on eleven situation, the more chances you have for bad luck for things like that to happen. And honestly, like it's a tough thing to work out. Because you don't get good at football unless you play football. But that's what John Harwell is going to work on figuring out. How do you get good at football without having to like put these guys in as many 11-on-11 situations where there's pile-ups and awkward guys in awkward positions and all that? Like, How do you do, I think, more individual work? 
things like that that still prepares you to play and then when you're running plays like 11 on 11 work to kind of get that together is it not at full speed stuff like that like that's i think the kind of the yeah. direction that you could take because the gus edwards and marcus peters injuries to your point that happened right before the season where you're kind of turning it up right you're like getting in game mode like and you're trying to simulate some of that kind of action uh i disagree you're actually t- you're, you're well, dialing right, right before back. the game right before right before the game i think you dial back but that wasn't that wasn't the week leading up to the game yeah i mean that was those late. injuries I, happen like it happened late it happened late in training camp but not the week before uh i mean the 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 training camp intensity dot is really at its peak right around the early part of the preseason i mean not i mean this happened september 9th so wait that, marcus yeah marcus peters and gus edwards went down on september 9th so and when's that our, is when things are get, dialed we, back here oh yeah dang Dang, I didn't realize it was that that close. It was gotta, September thirteenth. Was got to dust the cobwebs out over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, part of it's just bad luck. I think to my point. I think my point is that I know my point is that I think they will do. Sounds like less you're really confident 11, at this point. <laughs> eleven. I think they will do less eleven on eleven full speed football work. Is what I anticipate happens. I, the other thing I will just say on the strength and conditioning program is because we've gotten lots of questions about that over the course of the season. The Ravens have had, you know, Steve Saunders has run the strength and conditioning group and program for the last few years. And this has not been like a consistent issue every single season. I mean, it's not like for the past five years, the Ravens have led the league in injured reserve. There was a period going back mm-hmm. several years and then that changed. And, and so I think that you, you 2019 kind of, kind of the Ravens were one of the healthiest teams in the league in 2019 they were really healthy right so it's like how much stock part you going put 14 into and like two blowing things up and saying well man it was the issue of of the strength and conditioning program when this has not been something that you've seen year after year Sunday is right around the corner draft your lineups now to feel the sweat with DraftKings the official daily fantasy sports partner of the Baltimore Ravens Life is more fun when you have skin in the game. Download the DraftKings app to check out all the action and daily contests. New users enter code FLOCK when signing up to get a special offer. That's code FLOCK and get a special sign-up bonus. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Um, all right, enough discussion on that. Going back to the sack leaders, um, we whiffed on this. We didn't give. Neither of us had Tyus Bowser really even mentioned, and he ended up leading the team with seven sacks this year. So, yeah, that's a just mess. a whiff on our part. You said it was going to be Justin Houston, Calais Campbell, and then Justin Matabike were the top three. <laughs> you said seven. I didn't for, put Owe. You said seven for Houston, six for Calais Matabike with five, and then Owe under that. I went with Calais with seven. So I whiffed on Calais, and then I had Owe next. Yeah. So, I mean, just so you got we, Owe we coming in Tyus. second place, correct? We missed on yeah, Tyus. That, that, that's what we did. That's just a, that's just a whiff. That's just a whiff. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and I, I was a little high on Houston. Quite frankly, though, I will say, like Houston, Houston was probably the most consistent source of pressure for the team. Just if we're talking quarterback pressure. Um, I think he did lead lead the team in quarterback pressures. Um, he came close to a, a few more sacks. Guy just missed his his uh, bonus too. He had a roster bonus, 
if he had gotten, I think, six sacks. Um, so I don't think I was that far off on Justin Houston. I, I think he had a, a pretty solid year. Like, would you have liked more sacks? He, he really dipped in terms of what he had put up, the production he had put up the past couple of years. But I thought he was pretty solid for the Ravens. Yeah, I, I think you kind of got what you expected out of Houston. Um, it's not like he put up huge numbers, but at this stage of his career, he he brought pressure. He ended the season with four and a half sacks. Where I nailed it, all right, while we're talking pass rusher, is we talked about rookie of the year, and I said it was going to be Owe. I was all over Owe in terms of what he would bring to this team. I said that he would be the the rookie of the year for this team, and I said that he is going to what is going to make his season is that he would probably be around five or six sacks. Okay. I mean, this was like prophetic right here. And then I said that he would come up with big <laughs> plays in key moments for this team, like a strip sack, something yeah. late in the game where he just proved to, proves to be a difference maker. And the Chiefs game is certainly what comes to mind in that regard. And, I mean, I, I think you would agree. Oway was the rookie of the year for this team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a hit on that. I'll give you a hit on that. That's that hit it on the head. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's re- it was really a shame that he missed the last two games too. Yeah, I, I think he he was he his production had dipped the last two, uh, the last second really the second half of the season, um, in terms of sack production and whatnot. But uh, and you kind of wonder was his foot bothering him a little bit previously? I, I don't know. You know, we haven't really gotten an explanation on what that foot injury was mm-hmm. that knocked him out for the past two weeks, too. You hope that that wasn't anything yeah. too serious. And also, like, the secret was out on him uh, early in the year. He may have caught some people by surprise. Wasn't doing that late in the season because teams knew that this guy could get around the edge in a hurry and they needed to account for him. Um, your rookie of the year prediction was Bateman. Um, didn't provide exact numbers. Okay. You know, Bateman's season, I think that, like, there's a lot of promise from what we saw with Bateman. Um, that he showed moments, he showed flashes. The Browns game, I think, if you were looking for the the excitement level on Bateman, you look at the Browns game, you say, "Man, this guy can be a number one receiver." But there wasn't the consistency there that I think we were kind of hoping for. Didn't get a huge number of targets. What is your expectation for him moving forward? Yeah, it was really strange with Bateman because he would he seemed to like start off every game with a couple catches and you're like, "Okay, here we go." You know, and and really like in terms of guys who made the most of targets, Bateman was right up there. I mean, uh so I I really like what Bateman did this season. He had he had 67 targets and 46 catches. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn good. You know? And so I liked him as a chain mover. Uh, I think that he's probably the Ravens. I think he is the Ravens best yards after catch guy. Um, he can make people miss with both acceleration and, and he's can be a little bit physical. I think what happened with Bateman and he kind of alluded to this uh, after the season in his press conference was, I think mentally he still kind of was catching up a little bit, you know, like it's just, it's, it can be a little tough for a, a rookie wide receiver stepping in. And um, I think there are probably some mental mistakes on his part, which are tough. You know, when you're having mental mistakes, it's tough for a quarterback to trust you consistently is what I think. The other other thing, too, is like it's tough to really assess his his full rookie season, I think, because he only played 
seven games with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And really like six and a half because mm-hmm. Lamar went out in the middle of that Browns game and then actually that turned out to be his best game. So like you just didn't get to see him with the first team offense very much. Like and so you're kind of looking at a season he plays twelve games, but five of those are without Lamar, and you're kinda of like, so what is what's the full picture here on this guy? And what yeah, what, sure. what does it well, mean for next year? One absolutely a huge part of his development was lost when he went down in training camp, early in training camp, missed the entire preseason, missed the first five games of the season. Like for a rookie wide receiver, that is essential time to work on your craft. And so his comments after the season saying I'm really mostly thankful that I got out of my rookie year healthy so that I can go into this offseason and really work on improving um I think is an important note you know I mean I I really think that Bateman next year if we're going to run the the early early 2022 predictions (laughs) I think Bateman is a 700 800 yard guy well I hope that he's actually more than that but we'll save that prediction for the upcoming podcast for next year. <laughs> um, and then one other point that, that I'll from of the predictions. And I actually meant to bring this up on the game recap podcast is you made the point in talking about, we made our predictions for what this team was going to go. I think you had us at 13 and four. I think I had us at 12 and five. And I, <laughs> and I stand by that. Had everyone been healthy. Stand oh, by that. well, me too. So the, where you with your assessment of the division, bad, bad, <laughs> bad, bad. You had, you said the Bengals aren't going to be a 500 team. They end up winning <laughs> the division and you, and you made the point as you always do. And this is what I meant to bring up on Monday. You're not scared of the Steelers. Basically the I'm Steelers are done. I don't know not. if you saw this, but Kyle Brandt went on a rant on good morning football about this. People like you, it's people like you who fire up the Steelers and then keep them in the season late in the game. That's why the Ravens haven't beaten them in, in two years. It's because of you. And <laughs> everyone is quick to write them off and say that they're done. And then you're like, well, you're just scared of the Steelers. I'm not scared of the Steelers, but I just give them respect, unlike you. So you whiffed on the division prediction. I I thought the Browns were going to be much better than they were. Um, they were just kind of all over the place. I mean, had Baker been healthy, I think they obviously would have been better. The Bengals, the Bengals are a very talented team. There's no doubt about that. Their defense was better than I thought it was going to be with all the free agent additions they made. Trey Hendrickson was really good. Um, their defense was better. And quite frankly, like Joe Burrow was better than I thought. He's better than I thought he was. I'll, I'll admit it. He just mm-hmm. is. And he, he kind of he lit it up. And the other big factor with them is they stayed, like I've said a million times, they stayed incredibly healthy. And that is a massive piece of the puzzle, a big factor in their success. Um, so that really helped them. Look, the Steelers are done. <laughs> Here we go. The Steelers are yeah. done, right? They are going to get waxed by the chiefs their their defense their defense is basically holding that entire operation together and the defense is tj watt is a monster tj watt is a freaking monster i'll give it to him right and they led the league in sacks once again they get turnovers they just they have i mean they've swept the ravens two years in a row now primarily you go back and watch those games it's almost all because the ravens 
they're tur- getting turnovers. The Ravens can't protect the ball. They haven't protected the ball against the Steelers, getting sacked too much in turnovers. That's what they do. But Ben Roethlisberger, the, the guy, I'll give him credit, right? He is the comeback. He's the Terminator. He's the Terminator. But you can beat that guy for three and a half quarters. Like, if you just have an offense that can put up some points, he's done. That offense is bad. As I said, don't respect them, and that is why they get, they were listening. Mike Tomlin played the podcast. He Mike Tomlin played the podcast in the team meeting where you're <laughs> trashing them and talking about how they're not going to do anything and they're done, and that's what fired them up. You gave them Tyler Huntley should Tyler Huntley should have beaten them. Tyler Huntley should have beat and the Ravens junior varsity that they were fielding late in the season should have beaten them mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. But they did twice thanks to you. Thanks to you. All right, let's go to an email here. Um, this email comes to us from Norway. Daniel from Norway. Yeah. Says, uh, first of all, congrats on a great podcast. It's always fun listening. He's got a couple of questions. Uh, one is, is what it, what should be the Ravens' must-get position, the top priority in the upcoming draft? Now, I will say this before we answer, Daniel. We're going to do a full kind of off-season plan in the next couple of weeks uh, as the dust settles from, from the end of this season um, where we'll dive into more of that. I just think at a, at a quick, real quick on, from me on that, I think the trenches, O-line, D-line, draft guys that are 300 pounds. Well, which one are you picking? You picking O-line or D-line? I would say probably O-line. I think that they're, they're, I agree. They have to improve the offensive line. I think that is a, interesting conversation to have about how you improve it because which position are you improving left tackle ronnie stanley is projected to come back you're not going to draft or sign like a big time left tackle right left guard you are you are you trying to draft ben cleveland's replacement you know tyree phillips's replacement at left guard are you are you going to go into the season letting those guys compete well yeah and then, and then, well, that's a question. Well, are we going to do the full breakdown here? I'm saying we're going to save some of this. I, I, just, just real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Well, well, what what I would say, what I would do on the offensive line is I would draft a tackle. Okay, but so is that tackle your starting right tackle? He may be their starting right tackle, or potentially could he play guard? Could he? I think you'd have to make that decision. My, my whole point, and I, I agree. You're doing with the you. classic thing. Take You're the, doing the classic thing where you say, "Well, no, 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 no. The offensive no, 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 no. Don't need I'm, to I'm, don't need to add anybody there." I'm not. I'm not. I completely agree. They have to draft a tackle in the first three rounds, preferably the top two, because tackle Ronnie Stanley being gone and tackle depth was their biggest problem on the offensive line. The interior, like I expect Ben Cleveland to be pretty good moving forward, and I want to see Tyree Phillips get a shot at left guard because he keeps getting bounced to right tackle. But Bozeman, like, are you going to improve at center? You know, like, I, I think that's going to be pretty hard unless you're willing to spend a lot of money or a first-round pick, right? So, like, really, you're staying the same Bozeman. at center if you... Right, but that's not improvement. Then you're staying the same. Right, right. I mean, marginally improvement because he's in his second year and, and you have the, the benefit of chemistry, which I think is a, a legit factor, Right. And then right guard, you're not changing anything. It's Kevin Zeitler. So so in the interior, you're really not going to improve the offensive line this this offseason, I don't think. Right? Now, 
so left tackle's not improving except for the fact that Ronnie Stanley is healthy. I mean, you're not like bringing in a new guy at left tackle. The what you can do is you can bring in a better backup to Ronnie Stanley in case he's not healthy, somebody bigger better than Big Al, which I think goes to your point of you need to draft a tackle, and then that guy competes for the starting right tackle position with Juwan James and Patrick McCary, or he can play left tackle, or McCary can play left tackle in case Ronnie Stanley weren't ready to go. But my point here is I think that it's easier said than than in practice of, of improving the offensive line, other than the biggest factor in doing that is getting Ronnie Stanley back healthy. And that's a – I hope – that happens, but it's just like a big, yeah. you, you well, understand I, I what think, I'm saying I, here? Yes. I, I think, yeah. And if the rape, you can draft a center too. I mean, the chiefs just drafted Creed Humphrey and he might be the best center in the league. So you could, sure, draft, you sure. Could, but could you, they, could you I think go he, tackle center? He was a second round pick. Yeah. So could he you go a second tackle round center? pick maybe and just say, you know what? We're going to build up a big offensive line. That's an option. You could, um, you could, you could, but I, I think going into the season saying, okay, we just drafted a guy in the second round and he's and expecting him to be better than Bradley Bozeman was last year as a fourth year pro is a little shooting for the stars. Yeah. All right. So this kind of a little optimistic, this kind of goes to this next. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, I want to answer the question though. You just I want to answer the question. <laughs> what is your answer? That was your answer. Your offense, your answer was offensive line. I think the most important thing is the secondary. And I think that it's going to be probably cornerback. I think you have to improve at cornerback, especially you have two guys coming off season-ending injuries, one of which is an ACL with Marcus Peters. You have to get a top flight, a top-end corner in the draft. Like he's got to be, he's got to be your replacement if you don't re-sign Anthony Averett to Anthony Averett and capable of taking over from Marcus Peters after Marcus Peters after that. Mm-hmm. You also, they also need a playmaking safety badly. Badly. So if they're so if they're to your point, like similar to the offensive line. So are you going to draft somebody and then bench Chuck Clark or Brandon Stevens? Well, Brandon well, Stevens is a third round pick who stepped in yes. as a rookie and played pretty yes pretty yes. well. Brandon Stevens. I I think that the Ravens would love Brandon Stevens to be a potential starter. Sure, maybe, but he's a backup. He's a backup at cornerback and safety. I'm drafting a safety to be a starter in Deshaun Elliott's place week one. We got to remember this. this Did you see the ball bounce off Brandon Stevens' hands in the, <laughs> against Pittsburgh? This is a. I'm sta- we're saving this podcast here when Brandon Stevens is the starter week one next year. <laughs> hey, I'm we're just saving saying. this. We're saving this one. <laughs> mark it down, folks. I like the guy. I mark think it, Brandon Stevens. Down, I think folks. Brandon Stevens can be a good player. I think Brandon Stevens can be a good player. But I'm drafting a safety. Or they need a surefire like we can count on this guy to be a playmaker next year they need that you're doing the you're doing the the classic they got all of a sudden they got 10 first round picks they need to go they need to get a tackle in the first two rounds a center in the first two rounds a playmaking safety and no. a corner all within their first round pick first three rounds are <laughs> offensive tackle corner safety baby here we go uh-huh uh-huh um all right maybe maybe corner gets bumped we will talk. We'll spend a lot more time talking about this over the course of the next few weeks. Yes, we will. Uh, we have some. This more... is supposed to be a season recap podcast. Yeah, we have we have a few more emails that we're going to save, um, and continue to send them. You can email us at the lounge. Ravens. Um, 
uh, because there's a lot of discussion going on right now, just kind of in terms of how you build the team, what positions of need you want to address, free agents that you want to re-sign, free agents that you could target from other teams. The coaching carousel that is underway right now is a bunch of head coaches have been let go and you know, Wink Martindale is rumored to be in the mix for the New York Giants job. That could obviously shake things up in a big way. So there's lots of things that could happen here over the course of the next two weeks. Um, so send us your emails. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you would like to see happen. Um, and we will get to those in the course of the next couple of weeks. So thank you so much for listening. Another season prediction. Success. Failure. I'm not sure what to call it, but it was uh, fun to go back and grade ourselves. What are you giving yourself? Oh, an A+. plus. <laughs> Come on. We're grading on a curve, right? Injuries. We're, great. We're grading the entire season and our season predictions on a curve because of the injuries. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. We'll go with that. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you soon.